Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, here we go. Let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? Whatever you want to refer to yourself as. I hope everyone's doing all right. Thank you for listening to What the Fuck. I am Mark Marin. This is my show. I'm in my newly somewhat sound-insulated garage. That's right. We're getting more professional up here at the Cat Ranch, looking over the uh, hills of the barrio of Highland Park. I got my buddy. My buddy Andy came over with some uh, foam, some acoustic foam that he somehow managed to get hold of. And and I, I don't know if you can tell the difference, but I can tell the difference just by looking at it. These just patches of foam at different places on the wall that are making me feel like something has happened, like it sounds different, like it's much better, like that implies that I am running a professional operation amidst the boxes and pictures and books and crap in this place, guitars, picture frames, ugh, all over the place. Got a lot of things going on. Very excited to have our guest today. We have uh, the... Um, Amazing Margaret show, Princess Margaret will be here in the garage, and she's a uh, she's a uh, what do you she's a pip. <laughs> Wouldn't use that word anymore. I haven't talked to her in a while, but I've been seeing her around, and I'm very excited that she wanted to spend some time with me. Though she intimidates me a, a little bit because you know she's very um, she's a powerful woman, man. Powerful woman, go anyway. Yeah, you know, just uh, you know, she's just. A force to be reckoned with, and I, I remember really trying to uh, to pursue her at one time for at least an evening, and maybe I'll talk to her about that. But I hope you enjoy the interview. I uh, hope I enjoy the interview. I'm sure I will. One of the things I'm thinking of lately, since we have done some shows about pornography, about sex work, is I've decided in some weird way that people in porn are sex clowns. I've decided that's what I'm going to call them, that men, women in porn are sex clowns because it's not a real representation of sex. It's sort of exaggerated. I'm looking at a definition of clown right here, a comic performer as in a circus, theatrical production or the like, who wears an outlandish costume and makeup. Maybe, okay, I think I think a huge schlong could be outlandish and be considered a costume when it is being displayed uh, as part of the getup. Uh, and make uh, and entertains by pantomiming common situations or actions in exaggerated or ridiculous fashion by juggling or tumbling, etc. I think we can put sex right in there. Having sex, because it's so exaggerated, it's so ridiculous in some ways, although it is titillating, I've decided they're clowns. And, that, and I'm not even thinking that's negative. I'm having a t-shirt made that goes along with Nerdcock, uh, sex clown. And it's just going to have a woman who uh, is a porn actress in a sexual position with her legs spread and her boobs up with uh, black uh, stripes over the boobs and the pussy. And she's going to be in full clown makeup with uh, clown shoes on. Sex clown. That's what I'm working with. Because then I I tripped out on this idea I had for an animated short called uh, Bukaki Circus, which uh, essentially is like a big top you know, you see the circus and everyone's there for the circus and you hear the music, you know, and out into the big top uh, uh, Volkswagen just drives out and clowns start getting out of the car one after the other until it's like 20 clowns 
get out of this car. And everyone's amazed so many clowns could fit in the car. And then they just all gather around the car and jerk off on it. That's a Bukaki Circus. If anybody wants to do the animation for that, please do it and uh, and send it to me and give me a, a created by credit and written by Bukaki Circus. You get the idea. Enjoy. Another thing that's been going on with me and my mind is that I am getting older and uh, I'm finding that a lot of the memories that I have have become a little hazy, if not gone altogether. And uh, it's just sort of interesting because I also started to realize that we all know that you lose your memory as you get older. Uh, and I think that is maybe a, a biological favor that uh, that is that is bequeathed upon us by the great adapter, by the great uh, the, the, the great wirer of all things living is that some of these things fade, things lose their importance, things that were life life changing in a bad way or life threatening or, or made you crazy for a long time and you never thought you'd get out of it, they just turn into to psychological dust. Just strange little things where you think back on them and you're like, how the fuck was I so crazy about that shit? And I guess that's going out to a lot of my younger listeners because I, I still get a lot of emails from uh, from people in high school. I'm telling you, man, all that shit that you think is, is you know, life or death, dude, you're going to get to a point, if you're lucky, where you're not even going to remember it. You're not even going to remember that, that those kids that that jumped you in the hallway. I mean, it, it might define your life a little bit for a while and it may scar you permanently and some part of your personality just becomes a reaction to that event, but the event itself will become silly and 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 forgotten. And then when you get old enough to go to your high school reunions and you realize that all those guys that did that to you are now fat and stupid and bald and working uh, you know, air conditioner installment places and and uh, have been through three wives. That that is a satisfying thing. So for all you, you know, gentle, sensitive, smart, uh, socially awkward um, people out there in high school, just hang on until your first or second high school reunion because the payback is certainly worth it. It's so beautiful to go to that reunion and to to just see those jocks and those people that were so popular have just crumbled into uh, you know physical messes, just messes of fat and broken dreams, and and then you'll get you'll get your you'll get your your sweet revenge. You know, time will take care of it, but uh, try to keep it in perspective. The other thing I had was a moment, and I you know sometimes I get a little uh, a little sensitive, I guess, uh, about uh, you know at one time being a horrendously angry, panicky destructive uh abusive person and i just uh, i start to realize like so much of what we see every day on television or in our lives it's just uh, you know just a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing you know tv politics everything else because it one comes right down to it and i've said this before i for some reason you know, I'm a kind of guy, you know, I got my brain's got to keep going. I got to keep pushing. I got to keep moving. I got to keep putting things, you know, uh, in it. I got to eat nicotine and drink coffee. And oh, hold on. Pow. I think I just shit in my head. As it will, I'd switched it up. Justcoffee.coop. Uh, you can go to WTFpod.com and check that out. It's fair trade coffee. So uh, if that uh, influences you at all, there you go. But what was I saying? So I got to keep my brain going at a million miles an hour in order to feel alive. 
But that's not really being alive. That's just churning the shit. That's just spinning the wheels, keeping the plates up in the air to make yourself feel like you're engaged with something. And I had one of those moments. I don't know if it was a meditative moment. I don't know what the fuck it was, but it was really just a moment where I'm, I drove down the street. It's the middle of the day. It was a nice enough day. I'm just stopped at a stoplight. A couple of choppers go by with some big dudes on them. And I'm just sitting there at the stoplight. And for some reason, my entire brain went quiet. And I was just right there in that moment and realizing like, wow, this is it. This is what being alive is like. There's nothing going on in my head. There's nothing. This is it. I'm just part of this universal frequency of things. It's all very temporary. And this is it. And there was some comfort in that. But then it was followed by, you know what? It's really not enough. I got to kickstart my brain again. Maybe I should get a chopper. Maybe that's what I should be. Why not be one of those guys? Just get fat, get a big chopper, drive around the country, hang out with other people with big choppers, you know, you know, go to big picnics with other chopper people and take pictures of your, you know, your fat girlfriend with her boobs hanging out. Woo, yeah, man, rock and roll. Nah, that's not going to happen. Margaret Cho is in my garage. She saw one of the cats. I saw. Monkey who ran away. That's a monkey. Monkey ran away immediately. Yeah, why? Because he's skittish. Scared? He was once wild. Oh. And when they're once wild, they're always a little wild. Takes a little while to get to know them. Well, that's you. That's not you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was once wild. No, you're pretty wild still and skittish. And uh, Skittish? Yeah, you're skittish. You think so? I think so. I don't see it. (laughs) Yeah. What is it? You do? Yeah. Oh no, you see right through me. Well, it's no, it's fine. I was Maybe I don't too. know what skittish means. Well, skittish is just you just uh kind of keep to yourself. You just Oh yeah, yeah, right. I guess just I kind of keep to yourself. I and then you move real fast like that. Yeah, dart around. <laughs> you really dart around you dart, you're like a fish. Yeah. Like you I, go, oh. "Oh, where's Mark?" There he goes. There you go. you're like a fish. You sort of stay static for a bit. And yeah. then you're gone. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm gone. And then you're static for a bit. There you go. Well, I haven't seen you. I haven't seen you in a while. What is this music project you're working on? Um, it was uh, something for me to uh, elevate the form of of comedy music beyond um, parody, song parodies, which I like. Yeah, and I like Weird Al a lot, and I like Flight of the Concords a lot. But um, it's also a way to fuck musicians. Yeah, how'd that go though? Not very well. Not very well. <laughs> you couldn't get laid by a musician? No, no, I did. Well, I did. I, I, the thing is, is that I have been getting fucked by musicians for the last 20 something years. Uh-huh. So um, I thought that maybe working with them would make it, would, I would fuck different ones, but actually, no. I actually picked more people that, I, the people that I liked their music, um, either they were married or it just wasn't the right thing so you got in to make this record you know thinking you're gonna get laid a lot nothing nothing i still, oh. well, I still got laid a lot but by other people oh by not by the musicians I, themselves but other people now what is this your what is this thing you're on these days you're on like a fuck tear you're just like i mean is this common for you because you seem you're talking about a lot on stage yeah no it's it's it's, it's not it seems that, very I, conscious it's conscious like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna try to work it out well i'm trying to figure out how to occupy myself without um and it was I was it was doing a lot of drinking and doing a lot of drugs and stuff and then 
that sort of didn't really work out for me. And so now I'm just kind of on a sexual rampage, aren't you? I was on a sexual rampage for, yeah, I, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> well, how many people do you think? I mean, what did you do? What did you do? What did I do? Yeah. Well, after I got divorced, I, uh, you know, I started compulsively sort of dating and sexually acting out. I didn't really know the difference. Yeah, uh, I wasn't looking for anything, uh-huh. but uh, but in terms of emotionally, because I don't think I was capable of it. But I was looking for to have sex and spend time with people. Mm-hmm. So I did all right. But a lot of times, I don't know if you find this as a woman though. I mean, even if you're straight out with people, mm-hmm. like what you want, mm-hmm. I mean, don't people get attached to you? Um. I think so. Yeah, they do. But then also I feel very, uh, I get attached to people too. Yeah. And then I get really, um, I also find and pick out really emotionally unavailable people. Right. Which is uh, part of the genius of it. Uh, That's (laughs) the inner genius. The the genius you don't have any control over. Right. Yeah. And I pick people who are even more um, unavailable than me so that I'm in a constant state of pain. Nice. That needs <laughs> that needs relief, so you have to go fuck other people. Yeah. So it's just layers upon layers. It's layers upon layers, and then you know, um, it, then I got into these group sex situations, which Whoa, were really, really bizarre. Yeah, with porn stars. Like I would go to the Armory in San Francisco, which is a big um, porn studio. Yeah. They have a the big studio. It's called Kink.com. That's the big website, and there's like a bunch of websites that come from. It's a giant building. It's like a 163 year old building that. Um, it's a historical landmark. Was it originally bought. built for fucking? No, it was <laughs> built to house the uh, uh, troops. It's, it's, oh, it's an armory. It's okay. an armory. It's Got a real it. armory. Right. And um, so they have like hotels or a hotel set up, kind of a makeshift hotel for porn stars that stay. And so you can stay there. And um, they, uh, they, I never got this done, but one of the things that they do is they call it a midnight takedown where you get, you go to bed and they you go to sleep and they watch you fall asleep and then they come in and they fuck you like seventeen people and they t- they film it yeah and they film it but I I didn't I didn't get to do that because I locked my door but <laughs> are you on film fucking um yeah on some of it yeah but not not for uh, any purposes other than our own I, not for release or anything like how that. do you, how don't aren't you nervous about it getting out there no or do you care I don't really care really I mean because it was I mean I danced off Broadway naked for a year and. I mean, I don't really that kind of stuff. Also, because I wasn't turned on when it was happening. <laughs> so, so if somebody sees it, you're like, yeah, but I wasn't enjoying it. So it well, doesn't. I was enjoying. There was some some of it I really enjoyed, and some of it I thought was really not. Um, it, it just was bizarre. It, you know what I really loved is um, playing spin the bottle yeah. with porn stars. That is really funny to play spin the bottle with people in their thirties. It it's hilarious and it's hot. Yeah, and it's odd. <laughs> And it's really, um, I don't know, it's innocent somehow and endearing yeah. and sexy. So that there were some things that I really enjoyed, but the fucking and stuff, it's just a little bit more than yeah. you'd want. Now, I, I mean, because like now we're talking about it and it seems like if you want to, if you want to sexually act out and you want to go, you know, fill the void that was once filled by drugs and just feel good and, and mm-hmm. connect on that level that because you have a lot you're very popular in the gay community right yeah yeah so there's a world of men out there that do that as as part of their lifestyle and have for years there's something that defines a lot of the gay community which is a lot of sex but you know it doesn't sound to me that you're that detached from it in the sense that like it doesn't sound like you can really just have sex for fun i don't think so 
I don't think so. I mean, now that I've discovered that all this like crazy wild stuff, it's just kind of to me, it's about perf- that. That's more like performance or just doing it so that you could say that you did it. Yeah. And stuff. And um, I don't know. Do you think it's going to fade? Like, do you think this is just a thing you're going through? Well, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I think a lot of that was also attached to I was seeing this guy who was really, really wild and crazy. And he he was turned on by me going and fucking people and telling him about it. Because he was very, uh, he was he was the most emotionally unavailable person. That, but he only wanted to have a relationship with me so that I could be sort of like his avatar. Huh. And go and do these crazy things that he was not physically capable of doing. And you'd come back and tell him about it and what he'd jerk off yeah, and just listen. Yeah, he would jerk off and listen and jerk off. Mm. But I never touched him. Now, anything. where's your husband in all this? Well, my husband is great. My husband... <laughs> 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 he and I, uh, we're very separate, separate lives in that regard. Sounds like it. Yeah. And but you still have a you still live with them? Yeah, yeah. We have a very close we have a very, very conventional marriage in that respect. We have a very, very tight connection. And it's good. Mm-hmm. And it feels eternal. So yeah. that's that's really important to me. Why why do you think like I was thinking, because I've known you for a long time and I knew you like right after you were getting popular in San Francisco. Because I've never quite understood like there's a few women comedians that have a huge gay following. Mm-hmm. W- where does that come from? Why specifically the like you, Kathy Griffin, mm-hmm. Lisa Lampanelli seems to be getting one. Mm-hmm. What what is it about that um, audience? What are they drawn towards? Um, I don't know. I think it has to do with female strength and a kind of quirkiness. Like a, I think it's it's also a a quirky kind of beauty that is not necessarily. Um, the norm but and ballsy too ballsy male male yeah, energy right um it's also subject matter and also sort of what you court it i mean for me i've always kind of tried to court it just because all my friends are gay right so it just seems like a natural extension to have gay fans because and, that's who you are and you started in the gay you started at josie's kind of right yeah oh josie's and, major in yeah. san francisco mm-hmm. which is right in the cash or was it's not anymore Mm-mm, it's not there anymore and they've been with you a long time because i was thinking about this today that some comedians uh they find kids that stay with them throughout their childhood but then eventually go away like you know like people like Attell or like hedberg you know they really connected with all these 15 to 20 year old boys yeah and then but now as they get older these kids are married and they don't go out to comedy clubs anymore and i oh. realize that the gay community fortunately never really grows up on some level oh that's true that's true <laughs> and and they always come out yeah and they're a very loyal and very uh uh committed following mm-hmm. and they love you they they are so great i'm grateful for that that's really good place to be and did the music thing start with uh the prop eight song you did is that what got you going um yeah i i thought uh i'm gonna do that song and i'm gonna play it and i i i wrote it and play like i started playing guitar like three days before i performed it at that big benefit Mm because i just thought oh this needs to have a a protest song and and my brother-in-law helped me and we he showed me all these chords and we we just put it together um but i actually had it aspirations to do music and comedy together for a long time yeah i just been doing i did that i did a show um off broadway that was like burlesque where i did music in there and um you know i've been trying to do it for a while i put i, I did i did make a rap album in 1999 um which never was released but it was pretty good are you so, gonna, maybe you'll release it with like you know the unreleased rap record with a box set in the box set yeah. <laughs> b-sides and rarities yeah it's it's amazing though but every time like i don't see you very often but you you seem to be a big star it, it, all of a sudden 
you know, you have a movie out, you have a new one person show, you're always well branded, you're fairly a together business person, it seems. Oh, yeah, that's very important. Well, I like money. That's important to me. It's an Asian thing. That's very yeah. It's Asian. To, you grew to up try with to that. Figure out how you can market it and sell it and do you know? Yeah, do the Jewish thing is all about education and uh, and um, insanity. The Asian yeah. thing is about money. M- trying making to f- money. find the right, the best way to make money doing it. Now, when you do something like the tour, where uh, I met, what was the revolutionary theme? Um, it was just it was just uh, oh god that, that that whole thing was just about shitting which. I think it's so funny. That's was my favorite I, thing I, to talk about. I, I talked about it on a form, on a on a previous yeah. <laughs> podcast. It was interesting because I I had not seen you in a while, and you you spent a lot of time talking about a, a fairly horrible shitting experience. Yeah. Well, I've had quite a few of them, and um, yeah, that that whole show is built around it, another terribly. But the whole point about it, yeah, there is an underlying theme. It all has to do with eating disorders, which has been my major problem which is why i was an alcoholic and why i took drugs and everything it's because i have a crazy eating disorder that's... i think I, I think that's what's at the core of mine too oh, really? i think yeah when it because my mother's anorexic and i was brought up with it mm-hmm. i was brought up with this you know complete uh you if you felt fat or if you got a little fat you were almost unlovable and invisible and a mm-hmm. worthless person and when i get right down to all of my issues that's still that i think that is the deepest one right where'd yours come from well, my mother has an eating disorder and, and always did. Right. And uh, my father was a terrible womanizer. And so th- that that she blamed that sort of her body issues on his cheating when it was really just as crazy. They have they have a great relationship now. But, uh, you know, they really were bad for each other. Like he was sex addict and she was like an emotional food, crazy, you know, so that was sort of. Awesome. So now I'm both of them. Yeah, I have. I have my father was a manic depressive womanizer. And my mm. mother had an eating disorder. So yes, we, we have same. a lot in common. Same. Right. Same. So then you know, then it's awful. Then you have you want to claw out of your body sometimes. Sometimes. And yeah. then you just claw into somebody else's body. Yeah, for a while. <laughs> until you claw out of theirs and they leave a depleted husk. <laughs> and you've been fed. Well, do you find that you're more a heartbreaker or heartbroken? I, I, I would assume that I'm more of a heartbreaker, though I've had my heart broken uh, once or twice and it's pretty horrible. Once or twice only? Once or twice, only. majorly, majorly, mm-hmm. like you know, like like devastated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably um, twice, but minor heartbreaks, mm-hmm. more so. But I mean, full on, like I can't think or remember things or stop uh, or get up, oh. just a couple times. But like you know, minor heartbreaks, yeah, a lot every day. Every See, day, think, I'm heartbroken I, now. I think. Why are you heartbroken now? Just there's too much distance between us, Margaret. <laughs> but the. But to me, everything feels like a major heartbreak. And there's, yeah. you know, every two days I can't get up. Right. That's what I mean. <laughs> but do those count? I mean, like a heartbreak to me, like a real broken heart mm-hmm. uh, where you can't, like I, when, when my wife left me, I couldn't function. Like I literally had post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. Like my memory got fucked up. Uh, I, I couldn't figure out how to, you know, stay focused or work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just, you know, utterly devastated. And then I began acting out sexually which is, you know, I, I do, I talk about it on stage that it's, it's, it gets kind of dicey when you're fucking people at somebody else, you know? Uh-huh. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because, you know, then you got to be careful if you're a talker during sex, not to go fuck her, you know? <laughs> They're like, what are you talking about? What'd I say? I mean, fuck me. I don't know. But, uh, 
Yeah. But, so that heartbreak, yeah. That. So what about you? You a heartbreaker or heartbroken? I think I'm always heartbroken, eternally heartbroken, which is why I think people are attracted to me because my heart is always open, mm. very open all the time, but that's just because I'm so smashed up. But isn't that a boundary issue? Is it really an open heart or you just like you just have an open door? I think I have an open door. Yeah, because like I find that, too, if you have if you have like those weird kind of like soft boundaries, like I know crazy people are drawn to me like a magnet uh -huh. because I'm wired and you got to figure you are as well. I realized this recently in life that because I grew up with a manic depressive, you know, with anger problems and completely selfish parents. I'm wired to accommodate those people. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I can, you know, people that other people say like, that guy's fucking nuts. You know, I can have him talking like a normal person and feeling very sort of heard very quickly. And they're drawn to me. I have that gift, mm -hmm. which is horrible. Mm -hmm. Do you have that? I think so. Yeah, definitely. But then mine is I don't know they're crazy until way too late. Like right. I kind of allow them in. I just let and people in. And then they in. start rummaging around and breaking the house up? Yeah, or, you know, they, they drive their car off of Mulholland Drive and instead of calling 911, they call me. Did that happen? Yeah. What, what was that about? Well, um, she didn't call me directly. She called her friend to email me <laughs> to tell, her, tell me that At my, the bottom of the hill? Yeah, at the bottom of the hill at, at, and, and off of Mulholland Drive. And this was a woman you were involved with? Um, no. Well, I, w I was friends with her. Yeah. But it was much deeper than... Um, Sex. That was much deeper than sex. It was a friendship, but it was just such a uh, intense, intense problem because of my openness. So. Right. Because you couldn't, you couldn't let her. Like, well, that's another thing that I'm finding. The the sort of like saying, um, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time with that. Mm -hmm. You? You wait, saying it to people? Well, just you know, I feel bad. And like, you know, it, like I've not had the experience of dating or, or, or being in the situation that I'm in in a long time because I was married twice. I was not faithful to my first wife, but my last wife I was. Mm -hmm. I've never been sober and dating. So I and I married my first wife because I didn't know how to break up with somebody. Like oh. I thought it would be easier. Oh. So the whole sort of like, you know, saying like, you know, this isn't working out or I can't do this or I'm not ready for it. I'd rather just wait until it explodes than actually just set a boundary. Right. Do you have that? Yeah, yeah, that's really hard. That's really hard. I don't know how to set the bound. I don't know either. I, yeah. All I know is to go deeper in the relationship until I cannibalize it or something. Right, until it, until it becomes drama. Yeah. And, and insanity. And, and then it's sort of like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. It's it's hard to escape the allure of that drama or that, I don't know. But what's, yeah. what is good is that our lives are pretty transitory. At least mine is. I mean, mine's nomadic. I'm all over the place. I don't even live here, really. You travel that much still? Yeah. Well, I live. Um, I work on a TV show uh, in at, in Atlanta or in Peachtree City, which is in Georgia. You do outside of Atlanta? Yeah. What do, how come I don't know about it? It's a it's a show for Lifetime. So and so you're there most of the time. I'm there um, now. It's it was going to work out from, from six. Wait, months is this out a reality year. show? No. It's a scripted show. No, it's a show? drama. Yeah. It's a drama. Yeah. How long has it been on? It's been on for the last. It's just one of the first season. So, but it's doing really well. It's called Drop Dead Diva. So that that splits my oh, life. I heard up a about lot. this. Yeah, and it's yeah. about you. It's a, it's a, it's actually about um it's about it's it's sort of an ensemble show, but it's about a girl uh, who is a model and and then she dies and comes back as a lawyer who is very insecure about her looks and just super. It's just super about how. Women, if they don't look a certain way, they're invisible. So I think it's a cool show for Lifetime. It's really good. What's your part? I play the lawyer's assistant. So 
it's a it's like one of those um sort of an Ag Magnuson role and Magnuson. Oh, she's of, good. She's great. She so, did some really good songs too. Oh, I love Ann Magnuson. Yes. Like she did the stuff she did with who did she work with the guys from King Missile. Like years ago, her band or Bongwater. 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 That's right. Yeah, she wrote uh, uh, "Talent Is a Vampire," right? I don't know. Yes, but she's. Cool. I think that's a Bongwater song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did a lot of groovy stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, so the women coming around now to you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's different, but it's a different audience because it's it's Lifetime, so it's super conservative and it's just different. So, but I like it. Oh, that's great that you're, I mean, I feel bad as an interviewer and as somebody who's doing a show, I should know your resume. No, but I mean, you know, it's, it's such never, a different... I've never watched a show. It's, it's another a different world. Thing. I don't watch much of anything, though. I don't either. You don't? Mm-mm. So how long, when are you going back to there? Um, in two weeks, three weeks. And are like you going to tour? It seems like you're like, you know, back in the clubs a yeah, lot. Yeah, What's going on with that? Well, I'm I'm trying to do as much stand-up as I can so that I don't forget. Because you know, if you don't do it for a long time, you forget how to You got to go to the gym. Yeah, you forget how like to do it. Like, you have to go, like, that's how I feel about doing stand-up, even if it's for 15 minutes, is, like, if you let that relationship you have with an audience mm-hmm. get soft, you know, you, yeah, you have to get it back. Yeah, and it's humbling when you can't, mm. you know, when you've been away from it for so long and then you don't have a command of it anymore. I know, I know. You just feel alone up there. It's <laughs> really horrible. How long have you gone without doing it? Not not that long. Maybe three weeks, two weeks. Oh, that's nothing. That's nothing. Yeah, no, I always go, even if I hate it. Even when I was in the middle of all this pain, I, you know, I just, I gotta go. Well, you talk when... about, how, do, how does how does that affect your relationships? You're so talking about so honestly on stage. I mean, I do too, but I also pull punches. Right. And won't reveal certain things and definitely don't um, name names. Well, so. the trick to me was really, I don't know if I pulled a lot of punches, but I made sure to take responsibility for, for my part in it in the way of, I didn't want to be one of those guys that just was like a fuck her guy or women mm-hmm. or bitches. So I try to temper it with the fact that, you know, I'm pretty fucked up. Yeah. So, and I meet the balance that way. And I don't, I don't, I don't attack her that much, despite what she may think. I, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, you know, I don't take cheap shots. Right. Well, and, you never do. I mean, you're very, what's great about your comedy is that you're so, um, unapologetically truthful about everything and not, you don't come make yourself out to be a hero. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> the uh, best part. <laughs> no hero. <laughs> no hero. No. I, I, <laughs> I, I never really thought about it that way, but I think that's, I think it's a way to go. It's not as satisfying, I think, to some people in the sense that like, I think men who are angry mm-hmm. want you to represent that anger for them and not shoulder any of the burden on yourself. Mm-hmm. So it puts people in a sort of a weird place where it's like, well, he's, he is kind of an asshole, you know, or he is kind of, you know, like it, it, it's not, it's, it's, it's not black or white. Yeah. What's well, really, it's, it's really good. I mean, it's really good. Oh, I want to tell you the story about how I heard about you. It's before you met before me, I met before you. I followed you around all night uh, on Coke in San Francisco in a hotel. <laughs> that was the funniest thing. Do you remember that? Here's how I remember it. Yes. We were all up there taping that comics come home thing. I don't yeah, know, something. yeah, yeah. So there was like 15 comics staying in that one hotel. Right. And everybody was fucked up. And yeah. we were hanging around partying. And everyone was all over the place and drinking and running around in rooms and stuff. And I just got it in my head that we were going to hang out. We Mm -hmm. were going to make out. We were going to fuck. I don't know what we were going to do. Yeah. And I just kept following you around. (laughs) And then finally, like, you know, it must have been the middle of the night. I follow you to your room. Mm -hmm. We go inside and we kiss for maybe like two minutes. And you stop and go, is that what you wanted? (laughs) And I go, I guess. Okay. 
and then you went to bed and I left. I don't know why I was so mean to you about that. I mean, I was I was like to you. I don't know. I think I don't know what I, I was in a bad mood or something. It was weird. I must have been drunk. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what your type is. Do you have a type? I I I I don't. Because I know you went out. I know some people you went out with, and mm-hmm. I know some people you've been attracted to. <laughs> do you know? Only a couple. And <laughs> I, I've seen your husband. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, and I know you went out with Scott S- Ackerman, right? Oh, yes, 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 yes. And I know that, you know, you were kind of fond of Jim, who looks kind of like Scott and kind of like your husband in a way. They all have a similar Jim sort Short? Of, Jim yeah. Short. Yeah, well, I love Jim's, but my, that's my, that's my, him, him, I love, I love him. Yeah, and I there's a him. similarity between there those is, three men. That's true, that's they're true. They're sort of tall and, and I, they, it's, I don't even know how to describe them, but there is a type there. They're funny. Okay, also, is it funny? I think it's funny, but okay. I think it's also just, um, I don't know, and I don't know. All right, so how'd you hear about me? Oh well, this is this was many many years ago. I think this was longer than fifteen years ago. This may have been eighteen or nineteen years ago. Mm. I think a uh, very very long time ago. What would that have been ninety? Uh huh. Okay. And I had just come to Los Angeles, and I was friends with a girl who was a publicist. Oh, Stacy date- Nelson. Uh, is that her name? I don't- she was dating you. Oh my and she was god! Ta- she was talking about all about you, about you. You were such a good fuck, and how oh, Lucia loved you, and it was like so good and. So great, and it was just you know. And I was, she was really, um, I was very naive then. I didn't really know anything, and I, I was kind of wide out about all sorts of people talking to me about sex. And you know, I was real, yes, yeah. sort of just taking in this information like, oh, I can't believe she's telling me all this, you know. And then she found out that she had a girlfriend in New York, and uh, she was so furious. And I remember her talking to you on a headset. She was yelling at you, and she said that you raped me. Yeah, you raped me. Yeah, and then I was really scared because I was like, "Oh my god, he's a rapist!" And I saw you, and I was really nervous. I met you afterward. That I met you like this, like you had stayed at her house or something, and then and then I met you in the in right after she called you a rapist, and I I was like, "He's a rapist." That that turned that was so fucking horrible. That situation. Mm -hmm. That woman was like she was a publisher she represented at that time she had like a couple comments i think dana gould mm-hmm. mike becker and a couple people and i met her through because she used to hang around with the kids you know with dana and, and mm-hmm. that crew mm-hmm. and i was only out here to you know for like i wasn't living out here i'd come out to do some work and i met her and the way i met her was that she was showing everybody her nipple piercing uh-huh, uh-huh. and that was 1990 or something yeah yeah right? yeah yeah so she's showing everybody her tit you know and her nipple and, I, and she talked like barbara like for like uh like, huh, like, what's her name? The nanny. What's her name? Oh, Fran Drescher. Fran Drescher. Uh-huh. Hi, how are you? She's from Brooklyn. Yeah. You know, Stacey Nelson. So she's showing me her boob. And apparently I was the only idiot who tugged on it. Uh-huh. So somehow that rang the bell. And uh-huh. I ended up, you know, hanging out at her house. Uh-huh. You know, because I wasn't staying anywhere. And she, I think she got me on the A-list that, that week. They were taping it. And she oh. got me on. So I'm at her house. And we maybe hung out for like a week in my recollection. I was broken up with the woman I was with, right? Uh-huh. right. Who, who was actually in San Francisco, I think. Because uh, I just moved there. It must have been 90. Is that possible? 91 or. Yeah. 91 or 92. So we have this hangout and she's like compulsively sexual to the point where it's like she couldn't go to sleep without having sex. Mm-hmm. And and it was like, it was sort of a chore, yeah. but, but I, I did what I had to do. I mean, I like staying at her house. Yeah. But, 
it was a nice house right and uh, <laughs> but but it got very intense very quickly it's one of those things it's very hard to come back from that once you start with that sexualizing right and then all of a sudden you're in this thing and you may not know the person that well so we but we did hang out for I, I can't remember the time frame but it wasn't that long so then I get back together with my girlfriend mm-hmm. who I ended up marrying that, that became my first wife and all of a sudden I start hearing this shit you know, like Dave Rath comes up to me and says, uh, I got the press release. Apparently you're an asshole. All right. And then like, and then like it goes on for like a month or so. And I didn't yeah. know she was saying that stuff. And, and Laura Keitlinger of mm-hmm. all people who I wasn't even that close to, but we all know each other kind of mm-hmm. calls me up and says, Stacy Nelson is telling people that you raped her. Yeah. So I call her up and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? I didn't rape you. You can't tell people I raped you. And she goes, that's how I felt. And I'm like, well, that's fucking different. Uh-huh. And uh, it was fucking awful. Like, it was like, it was one of those things where, like, there are these junctures in my career where, like, I was about to, like, you know, sort of make a transition into something else and hang out with everybody. Uh-huh. And then this fucking horrendous mouth of a person yeah. does this horrible thing. Yeah. And I, yeah. Never fuck a publicist. That that's all. <laughs> that's the only thing I learned from that. Well, see, um, it, but it was really funny because I was just like I couldn't figure out that whole thing about how you how how is he a rapist? Like I I couldn't figure out how he was. I was like, well, why what, is did he you rapist? ask her? Yeah, and she said it's because you um because you under the gu- you you fucked her under the guise of somebody else, which means that you raped her. That's fucking crazy. Which is which is crazy, and I was like, oh. That is crazy. I didn't understand. I don't, I don't know what happened to her. I think she's I think she's long gone. She's um she she uh, now practices Chinese medicine and and puts needles into people. Is that true? <laughs> yes. Where? I don't know. <laughs> How did you know that? Because um she got mad at me because I fired her. She became my publicist, and then I I had to fire her because I had to work with somebody else because I I got. I got a huge firm to represent me. Right. But she was so furious she didn't speak to me for six years. And then um, did she then, tell people you raped her? Uh, no, <laughs> but then this is why I also kind of hate AA because I well, I had to be really thorough about my my nine stuff. Oh right, so you and made so an amends to her. You I made an amends to her. You tracked her down. Yeah, I found her, and that's, I made, that's how I found out that she became a uh, a um, acupuncturist. Fuck, I don't know. Maybe I got to make a new list because I you know I hadn't I never made an amends to her. Well, you shouldn't have to. I mean, she sounds like she was actually worse. She should make an amends. Isn't to you. there a statute of limitations on those amends? I know. Or... I mean, I that's I just I sort of hate AA for that because I was so thorough about it. I mean, were, were you thorough about? I got to do a new one since my divorce. I mean, and and oddly, that's really the genius of AA is in in a lot of ways is that step because it's so it, it it's it's something that almost everyone should do whether they're an alcoholic or not yeah the whole idea of the 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 moral inventory and that's really based on a business inventory mm-hmm. that the genius of the actual like who am I pissed off at why am I pissed off at them what did it affect in me and what is my part in it that if you do that thoroughly you basically get a, a, a very clear diagram of exactly what kind of asshole you are. Right, right, right. And 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 how you know which character defects or character flaws are running your life and making you an asshole. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I need to do another one. I don't know how I'm even going to approach my uh, my second ex-wife. I mean, I did mm-hmm. a lot of amendses already. Like I, there's only a few outstanding, but I don't know how I'm going to make that apology mm-hmm. because like I do owe her a fairly deep amends. But I'm still so resentful about how she handled the divorce that, like, that clouds the ability to do it. Yeah, it's okay. Is it? Yeah, it's okay when you're ready. You're ready. It doesn't it's just, I don't think it. 
I think, you know, you shouldn't force it whenever yeah. happens when it happens, you know? Yeah. Oh, so that's interesting. So that's how you met me. That, mm. Yeah. And then I, but then I was like, oh, I kind of like, I felt bad for you actually. Because I was like, well, that's horrible because she's, that, that's not right to tell people that he's a rapist because it's not oh, God. true. It's so like, it's like almost 20 years ago already. But, uh, but that turned really shitty. <laughs> Do you sleep with girls? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I like to. And is it that? Is it? Um, have it always been that way? Yeah, yeah. I've always been pretty, um, pretty bisexual. Sometimes uh, it, it depends on the. Go- I usually like really butch women, and also women who are um, very dominant, and also women who are transitioning to to male bodies. Yeah. So female to male transsexuals mostly. Yeah, that kind of stuff kind of tweaks me out. Really. Well, I mean, I, I guess I don't know anybody personally. Like, yeah. you know, like I don't have a lot of friends. You know, I have you know a few mm-hmm. and none of them are transgender people. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> <It's okay>. uh, <laughs> so like, I really don't like I, I, it, I don't it, it doesn't bother me. Uh-huh. But to me, it's it's pretty bold and pretty uh, bizarre. It is. It's different. I mean, it's different. It's like you're taking hormones to change your body into something else. But I mean, a lot of the a lot of the people that are I knew who were transitioning have always been men. Or very male energy, really butch, yeah, just dykes, yeah. you know, who just are, might as well be men anyway. How come some uh, dykes have like facial hair? That's um, that that has something to do with tea injecting tea, injecting Inge- testo- testosterone. Oh, okay, so um, that doesn't just happen. So sometimes it happens. You know, sometimes women are pretty hair suit, uh-huh. and if they decide to grow it, and if you shave it, it'll grow back thicker. Mm-hmm. So they'll cultivate that look. And you think so? So you think bisexuality? is what it is there's no do you have a preference um when i the, the, when i go through kind of a gay phase or when i'm really into women or um like this is one girl i'm crazy about but she, don't, she doesn't live here I, when but when we're together and um i feel so powerful like just so like i don't need men we don't need men we don't need men all so it you feels get, really good all <laughs> oh, right so like you know we win well if you're like you know with you know for women in comedy we're just so outnumbered and so and we so need guys to survive in so many ways and um you know socially and just whatever it, it's just always been like that so when you can go into a universe where you just need women and women for sex that's just unbelievable you know but that's that sort of proves that i'm not gay because i have so much invested in patriarchy right so it's but it's a beautiful vacation from patriarchy right so you your preference is men sexually yeah yeah but then you know um this one girl that i really like it just gets really complicated because she's very um she has a lot of male energy even though she looks very female and so um it's like she's a man in a woman's body in a female kind of it's it's hard to explain, mm-hmm. um, but she's super she's super mean. I like that. You like mean. Mm-hmm. Now, what what at what point? Like there was a point where you were pretty mainstream, and you had a lot of support also from the Korean community. Have they abandoned you? No, not really. They, Definitely, they, I'm be, an, a matriarch there. But isn't it a more conservative world? Of course. I mean, they just don't understand what I do. They but they don't, they don't judge it. you. No. No, well, that's pretty amazing. It's amazing. Isn't it? It's be- well, it's because I'm older, and because I do a lot for the community in terms of you know showing up for events and helping people and doing charity stuff and being around. And so, 
Um, I'm really an icon in the community in that respect. So th- there's no judgment. They forgive you for your all the weirdness, transgressions, all the the craziness. I mean, it just sort of doesn't matter because I've always just done whatever I wanted to. Right, but do you find when you're in that world that you sort of become a different person? No, no, no. Not it's at all? always the same. Yeah, it's good. And your parents are cool with it. Yo, they love it. And how's your Christian brother? He's fine. <laughs> Is he still Christian? He's not Christian anymore. That was just a passing. That was phase. a passing phase. So, but he was really Christian for a while, which is weird. That happens to a lot of. I think I think Asian American kids, especially Korean kids, who just don't know what to do. You know, we don't have a lot of visibility in society. And so you don't know what to do. Like, what do you be? Right. And um, the church is one place to be something or be somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, you could either be a Christian or you could be in a club off Lancashire setting your skin on fire with right? somebody. Or you could go race cars down in Orange County. Did, who did that? Every all all Asian kids do that. They do that. Mm-hmm. What those little um, Hondas that they yeah, fix up? They race the, their little cars. It's pretty fascinating to me. I noticed that you're doing your mom again on stage. I always do. Do you I, always? I, I sort of always do. Yeah. It's always there. Well, it's something that I um, think is a voice of it, it's just Asianness and and um, the voice of whatever is ancient in me it's that, that sort of questioning all the stuff that I do and what I'm doing yeah and so the, and I'm, I'm really close to my parents so something that's always in my head or things that they say um, I just wrote a book uh, forward for a website called my mom is a fob.com they have a book out and what's a fob uh, fresh off the boat okay and it's just emails and pictures and different communications of you from your mom who's a fob and it's a celebration of the awkwardness of being an immigrant and um, celebrating that, so uh-huh. I think that's always going to be part of what I do and who I am. And when I when I talked to you the other night, you said you wanted to age a certain way. <laughs> what was it? I wanted to age like uh, I want to be really dignified, like Amy Tan. That's why I, I could probably only get fucked for the next maybe ten years or something, realistically, or just have to fuck in secret, because I want to be really um, I want to be really thin, uh-huh. and I want to have like kind of a um, very sharp short bob haircut that's gray yeah and um i i, I want to wear sort of mandarin collar shirts all the time and be really really amy tan about it and be like uh do you want to teach and teach do a lot of <laughs> workshops a lot of workshops and a lot of um do you tai want to, chi do you want to do office hours i would have an office <laughs> i would you know that that point then i'll be you know at a university or stop teaching uh-huh. at a school although i don't think i can do that because i don't even i don't even have a high school diploma do you know that no i, I never even took a gd do you, have a, do you have a high school diploma? Yes, I do. I think it might be on. I think it's right there on that shelf behind the fuck thing. You see the little uh, frame fuck on yeah. the top oh, shelf there, there. You do have a high school. I see that. That's my high school diploma. I high think. school diploma. I don't know where my college diploma is, but that is my high school. Where diploma. Where did you go to college? Boston University. Oh, the comedy college, or is that Emerson? That's Emerson. That's when I, I met. Uh, I first met Dave Cross when we were in college. Ah, a million years ago. So then you know Janine from then too. I know Janine from Catch a Rising Star. So I met Janine, say, maybe 89, or yeah. no, maybe 88, mm-hmm. when she was in Boston working at the health club. She was a receptionist at the Joy of Movement in Kenmore Square, uh, the smoking health club reception. <laughs> Are you guys still friends? Uh, I barely, I don't see her at all. Well, she's, um, she's not here that much. She's not here. Uh, I never see her. Um, I saw her briefly at South by Southwest. Um she said uh, that you are hot, but you are a surly motherfucker. <laughs> Recently? No, no. She said that back then yeah. about people. Yeah, he's a fucking surly motherfucker like that. 
<laughs> she was very helpful, and she we become sort of we became sort of close because of uh, Air America, and, and I, I think we're close as close as she can be to people. Mm-hmm. But it's weird; we never ever, never even became a, a thing where there was never any sex thing ever. Well, she's not very. Um... Maybe I just didn't see it, but I doubt it. I, I just always I I, had, I have a weird thing with Janine. In that, when I'm around her, I feel protective of her. Uh-huh. Like I, I don't feel that with many people, but when I'm around her, I want to uh, make sure she's taken care of. That's nice. It's odd mm-hmm. for me. That's good. Like if I go out and we're out somewhere, and I, you know, if someone's, you know, getting too close, you know, I run interference. Like I literally become like, uh, like sort of a bodyguardish kind of person in my mind. Like you know, if some if fans sort of start to, you know suffocate her i'm like oh whoa 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 you know i i just feel myself doing that it's weird i i can't picture that i don't know i don't know why i mean i don't like like, it's not like aggressive or anything but like i naturally like we've done shows together like we're up at Cobbs together Mm -hmm. and we do do, you know co-headlining things together and like i i literally like if you know there are people out front they're like you know we want to can we talk to jenny i'm like i'll go find out you know, like I do this thing where it's like, Janine, there's some people like I literally yeah. become like sort of like this weird handler in my head. Uh-huh. And I, I don't know. And it's natural. And I, I, I don't feel it. Uh, it doesn't happen with other people. That's sweet. Yeah, I guess it is. Mm-hmm. I can do it for you. I mean, if you bring me on the road for you, okay. with you, I can I can try to run interference. <laughs> How are you with fans? Do you? Um, I'm good with it. I mean, it's it's it's, you know. I, I think well, it's good because I, I kind of tend to see the same people over and over again. Yeah, which is cool. Mm. Um, I think it's I, I don't know. I'm I'm I usually when I'm time kind of doing a lot of time or if it's like a club where you have to do two shows, then I just try to bail. Right. Because I'm so tired. Right. Doing those like Friday, Saturday, two show things is so hard. You still do clubs? Yeah, yeah, all the time. Small theaters still. I try to do both. I try to do as everything. You know, whatever I can. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. You know, whatever. You just want to get on stage. Yeah, I don't care where. I, I talked to Russell Peters on Thursday. You know who he is? He's great. I, I know who he is. I know he's the biggest star in the world he's of inc- comedy. He's incredible. And he, I don't, I don't know his work really. I've seen maybe pieces of it, but really I know funny. he is an, an international superstar comedically. Yeah, it's like he was talking about playing Madison Square Garden for two nights, selling it out, and then playing Radio City on the weekend. So that's like. What Largo, if you Largo is Mar- Madison Square Garden, then what the little room at Largo is like, you know, Radio City. Right, I mean, right. it's a, that's sort of like his weekend. That's it, fucking, I can't even imagine. It's that. outrageous. I mean, it's great, you know. What, so. Who is the audience? He said it's geeks. Yeah? <laughs> like, I mean, geeks. he does sort of an Indian thing, right? Well, he is Indian. Right. He's Indian Canadian. And uh, but yeah, he's got such a tremendously huge following. And I think that's a really cool thing to aspire to. I have yeah. some Nerdcock shirts. Do you want a Nerdcock shirt? No, it's a nerd. Yes, I it like. just says Nerdcock on it. Oh, that sounds cool. It's a it's a thing that I'm I marketing. Like, I like Nerdcock. Yeah. I mean, Nerdcock is the best to get. I think, don't you think? I don't know. I I'm not really a nerd, but I'm not really a rock cock either. I I'm in the middle. I, yeah. I'm, what I'm, are you? What are you sort of? What is that? I think I'm just me. You know, I'm just I, I I've never really been a nerd, but I've always been sort of a, a socially. Uh, I've always been outside of things, but I can integrate pretty well with just about anybody, which I don't think nerds can do. No, but nerds like you. They're starting to. I think they're coming around only because of uh, my place in the world of comedy. But I don't. I don't know. I, I'm, I don't think I'm a nerd hero. <laughs> I think you're getting. I mean, maybe. There's I, something yeah. to aspire to. I mean, I think that would be really, really good. 
Well, I did finally surrender to these horn rim glasses, which, uh, you know, I like I've, them. I've they're, always, they're good. All right. I've always worn glasses, but I, I really wasn't going to do this. Mm. And, and I did because, you know, oddly, it becomes the only thing that's available. Like you can't mm. get, you know, you're going to get some variation of this frame. That's mm -hmm. all that you can buy anymore. Yeah, true. Well, I'd like to, before we go, I'd like to know what the, the record's going to be because you're very oh, yeah. involved in making it. Yeah. What are the songs called? Um, Who are you working with? Is it a full band? It's um, many different bands. Um, it's called Show Dependent. Uh -huh. And it's uh, all different um, genres of music. Um, I worked with Tegan and Sarah. I worked with John Bryan. I worked with Grantley Phillips. A lot of people from Largo. Yeah. Um, I worked with Garrison Starr. All for the one record. Mm -hmm. Wow, it's pretty um, big. Yeah. I worked with Andrew Bird, who's uh, my idol. Um, as John Bryan is my idol. Um, John Bryan sort of became my guitar teacher, too. Um, it's a hell of a guitar teacher. Yeah. He's good. kind of a genius. He is. So it's pretty earnest music. It's not funny, all of it. It is all, it's, it's all sort of trying, I'm trying to make it all funny, but mm -hmm. at the same time, it's about uh, elevating the form, which I think is, it's possible to do it without song parodies and to do it without. Yeah, song parodies are not great. They can be. I guess, name one. Um, Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I just don't listen to it. Well, Weird, I love Weird Al Yankovic, and I think he's, he's such a great musician and, yeah. and such a great um I don't know. He he just imagines things. This his world is amazing. So, uh, but I wanted to do something that um, utilized the friends that I had in music and my own love of it for the last forty one years. I mean, I've been such a music fan. I maybe would have gone into it um, if it hadn't been for comedy. I think. It would yeah, I mean, I play. Love. I play right here in the garage. What I do you play? I play guitar. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm okay, pretty good at it. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm actually, you know, for what I do, I'm good at it, but I don't play publicly. Yeah. Singing in public terrifies me. Oh, yeah. I To me, karaoke is like the most terrifying thing in the world. Is Why? that weird? Why? I don't know. Because I can't figure it out. Because I feel, I think, given that I'm so honest on stage in my comedy, there's something even more vulnerable to me about singing. It's true. And, and to me, like when people sing... Um, like if I see a musical, which I don't do a lot, uh -huh. I am, I am overwhelmed with emotion just at the fact that so many people are singing mm -hmm. and, but I don't get that with rock music. Right. But, but when I see theater and, and people sing, like I, it's just, it, to me, it's so vulnerable It is, and I don't have the trust. And I, I think I've had a couple of really bad experiences where it was so embarrassing, uh, when I sang and I don't have a bad voice. I was much younger. Um, but. I don't trust it. And then over the last year or so, I I have sung in front of people a couple of times, uh -huh. like just individually. Uh -huh. Like uh, I've been, I work on songs. The, there's a few songs that get me through things. I play guitar, you know, a lot to to uh, to voice a, a feelings for myself yeah. and sing for the same reason. And I did let uh, some people see it. And I find that like you know, if I'm alone, I have a fairly full voice and and it's very expressive and it's very real. But when I'm in front of somebody. I can feel the constriction a little bit, oh, and yeah. then I sing from uh, my throat a little. Yeah, because like I, I can't like lose myself in it, mm. and then I'm afraid to lose myself in 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 front of I, because I I also think that people have certain expectations about me, or they they see me a certain way. Like mm. people who know me know I'm just like a you know a hypersensitive fucking you know softy, but a lot of other people are like Marin. 
you know and like there's like and i you know i don't want to buckle to their expectations i don't want to get up there and like sing and cry in front of the marin people oh that's beautiful i mean i I mean i think that's that's beautiful though you should i don't know i mean whatever you're i have to find a safe environment well yeah safe environment to sing or an anonymous coffee house where I just go sing. It is joyous when you can finally figure out how to do it and, and you can really connect that way. It's beautiful. Well, there, yeah, well, there's some people that have, like, musical guy in, inside of them. Mm-hmm. You know, like like Dave Cross. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave Cross is a guy who can just sort of like, oh, I'm breaking into song now. And, and, and he'll, and he, you know, he has that, there's almost like a theatricality to it. There's a yeah. distance from the ability to sing, like mm-hmm. to sing in a funny way, to make a character out of a song. Yeah. I can't do that with anything. Yeah. Like, everything is sort of life or death for me. Right, right. So if I'm going to sing, it's going to be very raw. It's going to be very real. It's going to be like my comedy. It's going to make people go like, whoa. <laughs> and <laughs> like, I wish I had the distance, you know, to become a, a, a persona, even comedically sometimes. I envy people that have a character. Yeah, yeah. Because like all I've been working towards is being me. That's hard enough. But that's that's the brilliance of you is that you are so unapologetically you and that you can you can um, articulate you in, in that regard which is the genius of you that's that's who you are and that's really important but but that's the envy i have of people who can just break into song and not think twice about it like mm-hmm. i saw scott ackerman once do karaoke and i was like oh my god mm-hmm. like and he sang a difficult song like he sang a radiohead song in a very sort of falsetto sort of sweet voice <laughs> and it was very uh you know moving to me and then he got off and he was just scott and it like it didn't even bother him i'm like what yeah. did you just did that up there and you uh, it's getting me choked up now well, he's he's a big music fan, so that and he'd he he's singing bands and you know. Oh, so he has no fear about he it. He doesn't have. I have I think, a real stage about fright it. about it, I, and I like I think about it a lot. Like I have to get this done. Yeah, you should try it. Where? Um. What? Where do I do that? Like, where do would I you try? Do I try like karaoke? Well, karaoke is so. Uh, I don't know. Karaoke is sort of. It's sort of cheap, you know. It's kind of like where I almost did it in my last one man show about my about the divorce. I almost oh. sang um, two uh, two songs, um, and I didn't. Like mm. I was very close. I was working on that. That's cool. But I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's funny in itself. I mean, you know that the journey of that of just just discovering the journey. I mean, to add that into a show where you're really going to move yourself out of your comfort level and do something that like that that's so risky maybe i should write a new show called mark's gonna try and sing in front of you yeah i mean no i mean seriously like that that's a good experiment to start with like you know i always think we should challenge ourselves and make things difficult for ourselves so that we can fall in love with it again maybe i should do that maybe I should do like talk about my stage fright yeah and write jokes around it and then say like now i'm gonna try and sing yeah in front of you. yeah and then talk about how fearlessness is so much a part of who you are and honesty is so much a part of you, who you are. Why am I so dishonest or, or fearful about this one thing? Yeah. And examine that because that's, that's an interesting juxtaposition to who you are as a comic. Yeah. And if you play, that, that's, I mean, there's no reason to play by yourself, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been saying that about a lot of things. <laughs> but that's okay. I yeah. mean, but it's, it's, I think if you have an intense fear of something like that, you should explore what it is is there's a lot of funny stuff in there okay i'm gonna do it try it and i'm looking forward to your record it's brilliant i'm sure it's actually brilliant thank you margaret show thank you
Okay, for those of you in the uh, immediate area of Los Angeles, the improv, uh, this will be tomorrow night, if you're listening to this on Monday. That is uh, tomorrow night, the, what would the date be? It's Tuesday night. Shit. What day is it now? Where am I? I can't feel my hands. Tuesday, the 16th of February, I'm going to be on a show. I'm going to be doing Comedy Death Ray, which is a popular show at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. That's a, an 8.30 show, I believe. But I'm also doing a show at the Improv for my buddy Glenn Wool. He's having a, uh, a uh, record release party for his CD, Let Your Hands Go. And that should be a good show. It's going to be me and Glenn and Morgan Murphy couple other people matt bronger who you've heard on this show will be there and i also want to put this out there we are the live wtf taping at the upright citizens brigade theater here in los angeles will be february 19th at eight o'clock p.m it's a girls night out show how do you like that that's so cheesy i'm gonna have a bunch of chicks on to do funny Marilyn rice cub Lori kilmartin jackie cation i will have jim earl to bring everything down in a funny way and i will have uh uh, Eddie Pepitone as well to punctuate the evening and bring everything up in an angry way. So get tickets for that. Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in Los Angeles. I don't know how you get there, but get there. Uh, those tickets usually go pretty quickly. I wanted to address a, a couple of emails. One is basically saying someone wants me to tell a, a bombing story about when I bombed. The, the email said uh, something along the lines of... Uh, you know, everyone's been a deer caught in the headlights. Yeah, but I've been a deer who's been hit by a truck. So I have one, and it involves being sent home from a country. And I will tell that story if you remind me. Some of you have heard it. If anyone uh, was a fan of Break Room Live, I'm sure I've told it a couple of times in different places. But uh, yes, I was sent home from Australia. So I will do that story in an upcoming show. We've got a lot of great upcoming shows, by the way. Uh, I, uh, I, I Brendan Small from uh metalocalypse is coming in and i'm putting my guitar out for that one i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna have a guitar available for that one glenn wool as i said will be uh, on the show greg proops yeah a lot of good shows coming up but here's an email i wanted to read because this is relating to the last show uh this is from uh from jack don't know who jack is what the fuck dot 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 frog are you kidding me of course you remember frog was my guest he uh he was the um, medical marijuana dispensary uh, proprietor. Frog, are you kidding me? This guy didn't want to have a serious conversation about pot. He just wanted to plug his dispensary. That's if he even really owns one. This interview showed a really fucked up side of the medical marijuana debate. I mean, come on. A prescription written on an envelope? Your body doesn't produce enough THC? This guy has no idea what the fuck he was talking about. It makes all responsible smokers look like druggies and dispensaries like legalized drug lords fighting each other for customers. There was no talk about the actual effects of marijuana, the smear campaigns that got it illegalized, or the fact that California dispensaries are regularly raided by the DEA. Yeah, you know, I got to tell you, I'm, so, I'm sorry about that. You know, I mean, I, I got to get a booker. I've been, I've just had uh, a string of awkward luck with guests, and uh, I even when I do my research. But uh, but thank you for your sentiment. I understand where you're coming from. We'll try and explore the other the other side of that issue, and uh, I appreciate you listening. Okay, that's it. I hope you enjoyed the Cho Show. Did I just whistle? Did my teeth just whistle? 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 Now I'm going to be self-conscious. I hope you enjoyed the Cho Show. It did whistle. 
What the fuck is wrong with my mouth? But that's it for today. I hope you had a good time. Uh, go to punchlinemagazine.com for all of your uh, comedy-related uh, interests. Please go to WTF Pod because we're putting videos up there now. Yes, you can watch videos, and you can order your Nerdcock shirt or your WTF shirt or anything else you want to do. You can follow us on Twitter. You can give me money. Give me some money. Me and Brendan are trying to make a living with this entertaining thing that we're doing. I don't want to be glib about it. I really appreciate uh, all the donations coming in and the subscribers, and uh, we're going to broaden some of the possibilities for that in the very near future. Uh, Just coffee.coop, of course you know that. All that being said, I will talk to you next time. Be careful. Be as good as possible. Don't hurt yourself. And if you've got a spare second, try to uh, be grateful for what you have.